When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I'm Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how are we doing? Hanging in there. I will say, no matter how <laughs> yeah, no matter how tired <laughs> I am, whenever I hear that intro, my blood gets pumping and it's just like, okay, here we go. I'm ready to rock now. So all I needed was that little jingle. I'm doing good now, Metcalf. Um, before we get started, I have to say congratulations to you for, for you. finishing up big boy school. I mean, let everybody know you've been grinding your butt off behind the scenes. I don't know how you did it. I really don't know how you did it, but I'm 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 really proud of you. So it's a big day. Congratulations, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, f- finally done with grad school with my MBA. Thank God. Don't go back to school, folks. I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but no, it, it was a lot. But uh, I'm done. I'm free. God. Now I have all this free time. You know obviously I'm going to spend more time with my wife and my family and all of the, and friends and all of that. But think of how much more basketball I get to consume now. I got many more texts about the draft I'm about to get. The one of the big, one of the big downsides though, is I've lost one of my go-to excuses for getting out of stuff now because I can't be like, ah, oh, gosh, sorry guys. Can't go out on the weekend. Got school to do. I'm gonna have to find something new. They just say I, you gotta you gotta work, which is you gotta True. watch draft film for no ceilings. It, it, you don't have to explain what it's for. You just be like, "Hey, works works crazy," which it is. You know, uh, it always. Uh, but we're having fun here. Um, today's episode may not be as uh, as jovial as uh, some of our past ones and upcoming ones. Uh, we're gonna be kind of diving into panic meter time. Uh, we've had a pretty good sample on a lot of these guys. Um, so we're going to be talking about some of the bigger names coming into the season. And if we're panicking on them, if we're not panicking on them, you know, scale of one to 10 standard stuff, 10 being the freaking out one, not worried at all. Um, it's tough because the expectations with this class coming in, were pretty low to begin with, but there's always hype. There's always talent that comes out of every draft. Um, so we want to get excited, but now that we're getting a bit more of a sample, we're kind of seeing more and more of who these guys are. And in some cases, a lot more red flags are popping up and um, a lot more are going unanswered than other pros- prospects. Do you want to just dive right in? Do you want to go big picture? How do you, how do you want to start this? Yeah. I mean, I guess we can go big picture to start off. I, I think this class is definitely, you know, 
worth the hype when it comes to the challenges mm-hmm. early on. I think, you know, we got a big board coming out um, Friday morning. It was very interesting to at no ceilingsnba.com. Good plug under four minutes. <laughs> it's free. Um, go check it out. I think a lot of people are going to be surprised pleasantly. Um, there's some good rankings, you know, me and Metcalf were talking last night after he crunched the numbers cause he's the numbers guy on our team. And I was like, yeah, it looks pretty good. And I think what was so interesting was I was writing the intro for the big board and I went back to our last two cycles of our first big board installments and the second one. Cause I wanted to say like, okay, who was there a lot of movement with guys? Was there some overreactions or, or was it? notable because i always think the second third like this is the time of the year where it's movement time you're cementing yourself as a legit player like dalton connect big mover um over the last you know month or so um not only at no ceilings but i think general a lot of guys like that kevin mcculler climbing up boards there's a lot of names that are really cementing themselves and last year and the year before that it was guys like Brandon Miller started to make his his surge up the boards. Asar Thompson started to creep up, creep up. A year back, it was Keegan Murray, Benedict Matherin. So there's always these names that start to really cement themselves as, as legit players. But with this class, I think we're going to have to be more patient because people are going to move up and down and left and right. It's going to be crazy, and and I think... The panic meter is always one of my favorite episodes. Me and you were trying to figure out what to do. And I was like, oh, panic meter. It's perfect for this class. So um, this is going to be a good one. But Metcalf, are are you, big picture talk, are are you having to be more patient this year? Like it, it, I keep, I'm really, really calm about this draft because I think it's what I've said at the beginning. I think it's just, you can't be obsessed with star power. You can't be trying to find a star. And I feel like once you realize that, it gets a little bit more interesting. If you're trying to say like, hey, these might be connecting pieces. These Mm -hmm. might be complementary pieces. But if you're looking for that superstar power, I think this is going to really scare you. Yeah, and that's kind of how I've approached this draft mainly, where it's I'm almost being less patient with these guys. And, you know, I'm willing to see the absolute hundredth percentile you know absolute ceiling for these guys and it's like oh my god if ron holland continues shooting like this and if the playmaking develops and the handle gets better and the defensive consistency improves he's going to be jalen brown out there he's going to be incredible he's going to be an all nba level guy same with modest buzelis and you know alexander Saar and jacoby walter and all these guys but at the same time it's like okay but what are what is the realistic outcome of them hitting that upside like is is their variance, you know, literally zero to a 100 or is it kind of more in the 65 to 80 percentile range of what they could be? And what are the odds with that? And when we look at past drafts with guys like Kate Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Luka Doncic, Anthony Edwards, you know, Wemby, Scoot, Brandon Miller, so on and so on. Those, you know, they had their hundredth percentile outcomes, but their floors felt way safer. It felt way more likely that they were going to reach those higher level outcomes. And with these guys, there's just so much variance across the board where it's like, if you're not showing me stuff at this point, I'm going to move you down pretty aggressively and stop being as patient in this class. When there are some upperclassmen who may not have the ceiling that some of the, these freshmen have, but their floors, their, you know, 
for lack of a better term, guaranteed outcome of who they're going to be, um, their ability to be kind of a plug and play role player for the majority of their career. I'm finding that a lot more enticing this year. So I'm kind of finding these guys who I'm really confident can play right off the bat, fill a role, do the little things. Um, I've I've been moving them up and kind of punishing some of these freshmen who are really, really, really inconsistent. Yeah, I think you put it perfectly. I think it's something that we've kind of talked about behind the scenes through texting, and I kind of threw a, a hot take to the No Ceilings crew today, and I feel like I didn't get a response right away, so everyone was kind of probably burning, like, whoa, Rutgers a little crazy. But I was like, I think what you're getting at, and, and it's – now I'm hearing you say it, and I'm like, this might be the year in which, yeah, there's a lot of upside with these guys, but no one feels good about their floor. No, it's a very insecure feeling when it comes to like, well, if it doesn't click, what is he? And that's why I, I was going to say this later, but I think the panic meter with the freshmen is going to be yeah. a little high right now because there's guys in this class like Jaime Hawkes is doing fantastic stuff mm -hmm. for the Miami Heat as a rookie. He's been fantastic. And there's guys in this class that give me those vibes. And I I believe this could be the year in which upperclassmen start to really make some noise because teams are going to know what they're getting. Yeah. Kevin McCuller is a name that I said to this group today. I was like, what's keeping him out of the lottery right now? Because I think a team will be like, we know what Kevin McCuller is. He's six, mm -hmm. seven, can play multiple positions. His numbers are awesome. And I'm just using him as an example, but Dalton Connect, we just talked about. I, I'm wondering if teams could start getting a little bit more intrigued with those guys because of the floor, because you know what you're getting. There's just a lot of unknown. It, it's going to be awesome to talk about for months. It's just really cool year. I know it's giving us headaches, but it's a really cool year to, yeah. to talk about it and, you know, really dig deep. Absolutely. Um, Let's just rip the Band-Aid off. Yep, let's do it. Dive right into it. First guy, Ron Holland, um, putting up some really, really impressive numbers with the Ignite right now. Um, where are you at? So one is low, 10 is high, correct? One is we're not worried at all, very confident in, um, you know, the, in his long-term potential, his draft stock, all of that. 10 is Holy fuck, burn this place down. So I might shock some people. I'm at a two. Fascinating. And here's why. Because I don't I don't think I view Ron Holland like most people are trying to imagine Ron Holland. I'm not viewing Ron Holland as like, oh, this potentially is a number one guy. Um, I think his ceiling is a very nice number two guy. I, I guess I'm just kind of at that point where I'm like, me and you were talking about Ron Holland and how polarizing he is. And you were like, man, I he, I loved how you phrased it. What did you say? You were like, I absolutely love and hate him. Or yeah. so, And I was like, yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. Because I think with Ron, if you're chasing like, oh, he could be the number one pick, the, the guy, I think you're in for a rude awakening. But if you could be like, hey, if we got Ron Holland and we have someone else with him, it could be really nice. Like just top of my head, but like if the Spurs landed Ron Holland, I know, you know, any point guard and stuff, but like the idea of having Victor and Ron Holland sounds intriguing, sounds fun. But if 
I'm just throwing a fit. It was the first one that came to my head. I think if you had Ron Holland with an, a guy, that's a, your offensive guy. That's where Ron could really succeed. But there's just times on tape where I'm like, he, he, I don't think I'm ever giving Ron Holland the ball all the time and being like, we need you to score all the time. I think he's going to be this off ball guy that could be a great cutter, athletic, a demon in transition, strong defensive player. I'm just, that's where I'm at with him. And I think people are going to project him going top five. I think I said it to you. I was like, in a normal year, if I got him from seven to 12, I would be ecstatic. Mm -hmm. But this year could get interesting. I don't know. What about you? Where are you at? So entering the year, I had him as like a top three guy. Um, you know, the the prestige, the potential, athleticism, all that, all that fun stuff. Um, but I'm at like a six. Um, I'm not totally panicking, but I'm also not super comfortable with where to place him in the rankings. I currently have him at six overall. Um and a lot of that is just kind of simply due to this class, honestly, because I've tried dropping him lower and just the absolute potential of what he could grow into, um, because I don't want to rule that out yet. I, I just couldn't at this point drop him much lower than that, but I I feel like the number, his raw numbers, his per game numbers, they're impressive right now. They also feel incredibly inflated just based on that chaotic style of G League play and that up and down pace. All of it feels really, really inflated um, and kind of the beneficiary of a lack of overall structure. Um, and I'm just going to run through some of his synergy numbers here. And while they're not bad, they're not, not exactly good either. Right. So transition, 43rd percentile, spot up, 51st percentile, which is much better than I was anticipating coming into the year. So that's a good sign. Uh, pick and roll ball handler, 49th percentile, handoffs, 49th percentile, isolation, 40th percentile, um, jump shots, 27th percentile, catch and shoot, 41st percentile, dribble jumpers, 35th percentile, floaters, 18th percentile, around the rim. Uh, 60th percentile so you know there's some good stuff um there's a lot of concerning stuff too so am i way off base in kind of thinking that way no i don't think you are i mean he's averaging on the year right now he's averaging 20 points 6.8 rebounds 2.8 assists 2.2 steals shooting splits of 47 27 68 he had an 11 turnover game that everyone was just like what in the world but his last five this is i think ron holland's gonna be this hot and cold type of player i i just that's why i'm thinking if you have a go-to scorer and ron hey ron's doesn't have it offensively tonight but you know, Brandon Miller's got it. Or someone in the comments was like, hey, what about him with Portland? That makes some sense to me because you potentially could have Scoot, who's on the way up, and Shaden Sharp. Like, that'd be great. But now Ron Holland's starting to get cooking. His last five games, he's averaging 26.6 points, 8.2 rebounds, 3.6 assists, 2.8 steals, shooting splits 52, 33, 90. That's something I get excited about because I'm like, hey, if Ron Holland can make an impact in so many different ways and I'm getting him at mid 30% from three, great, awesome. But I just think if 
If you have Ron Holland number one on your board, that's fine. I have no problems with that. I've got him at five. I feel really good about having him at, in my top five, top six, because I, I think I would be take, I would like to get him around five or six or seven. And if I really love him, I guess top four, but we're going to have to wait and see with it. Well, I mean, we're one of the fans asked, like, where are you at with his shooting? Metcalf? Like, what do you think of it? I think it's gotten better. It, it looks better than I was anticipating. Uh, but, I, the the form doesn't feel all that different um, than what More it looked fluid? like. Maybe, maybe a little bit. He has some step back stuff where you're like, yeah, what the, f-? you know, like, yeah. I, I was, like we were like, whoa, if that is, that's where you get excited. You're like, even if that's coming around more consistently, but there just seems also a lot of times and where I get hesitant with him, where it's like, I don't know what he's doing with the ball in his hands. Sometimes transition. He's awesome because he's just a yeah. bullet and he, yeah. he know, he's very confident, but um, like he had a fantastic sequence where he had a transition dime steal on three and you're like, Whoa, okay. But I don't know. Yeah. I, in transit, he might, he might be one of the best transition players in this draft just because he is so goddamn fast. And and he's like that in the half court too, where they'll run him off of handoffs and he's just a blur getting downhill. And something that I've really enjoyed from him is he's these last, you know, couple weeks where he started lowering his shoulder into guys, kind of shrugging them off, stepping back towards to his left and then finishing through the contact. And that that's a really nice move. That's a pro move against grown men. So that's the kind of stuff that you like to see. But on the flip side of that, his handle right now is awful um and he's turning it over in traffic all the time there are minimal passing instincts there and as much as i like the ability to kind of shrug guys off when he drives um and play with that physicality there's not a whole lot of craft when he gets downhill it's all i'm just going to kind of barrel into you and hope for the best here and if i'm if you're stronger than me, it's going to end up in a bad shot or a turnover. And if you're a smaller guard, then I'm probably finishing through you. So that's nice for right now. But how feasible is that when we project long term and what he could be? Because his height has been listed anywhere from 6'6 to 6'8. And I do not think it is closer to 6'8. I think it's on the lower end of that spectrum. Um, so how feasible is it for a six, six guy to play with that type of physicality against NBA rim protectors and forwards and, you know, perimeter defenders on a nightly basis, especially if you're taking him top three, top five, first overall, you're expecting him to be the go-to guy. And I'm not sure he has the feel um, overall to do that. And I'm not sure that he makes anyone on the court better. Yeah, I, I think the dream is you get him alongside a couple strong pieces and he's a game wrecker. Like when Ron's cooking, whoa, but like buckle up because he can make those plays that really swing momentum. Like all you get a fast break, Ron Holland can just turn on the turbo button and throw down with, with anger. Like he he's very special, gifted that way. And I think he makes an impact defensively. It's just there's pro- there is hard to cut you off with the defense. Do you have any red flags or concerns or anything with that? It's too soon for me there. I I just, I've seen where the motor can take him. Right. But um, it's something I I just need to watch closer. But I I know when Ron's engaged and locked in, he has the tools to be a nasty defender. Where where are you at? 
I, I think it's really similar to his offense where it is very, really based on the motor and the physical tools. And when he engages those, the highlights are awesome. The, the, the numbers that he generates on that, and he can be a game wrecker, but then you look at all the kind of in-between stuff and it's him getting beat on back cuts and losing his man in motion and getting caught ball watching and not communicating, communicating switches and doing the little things. You know, we talked about Kevin McCullough in the open and you look at all the kind of nuances to McCullough's team defense. And I don't get any of that with Holland. So I, I know that that's not really the selling point with him because he does have the upside of this tenacious, chaotic game wrecking point of attack defender. Um, and with that, you know, I, I think there's a lot of upside and intrigue there. But the second he gets switched off ball, it's like, okay, now what are we doing here? Because there's a lot of mistakes that are popping up by the game. If he was doing what he was doing offensively and he was just a dominant high motor all the time lockdown defender, I'd be having him near one. Like if it, if it, if the defense was just bully mode all the time and he was just like – I. I'm not letting anyone score on me all and or I'm helping out. I feel like that would be getting me into that conversation regardless of what's going on offensively right now. But I just do. That's why I have him a little bit. I'd feel more comfortable getting him lower because there is some questions and probably going to be really good. Um, find out some Intel because teams are going to, that's teams are going to swing that in a big way based on what feedback they're getting. And you know, I, I have major questions about his feel and, you know, overall kind of basketball IQ and all, all that stuff, ability to read the floor. How, just to get a little philosophical here uh, before we move yeah. on, how realistic is it for players to kind of develop and improve upon that? Because when I think of that type of skill, I I feel like you have to have just an obscene work ethic and be a gym rat and constantly grinding in the gym, grinding tape, doing all of that kind of stuff. And obviously this is a very, very, very limited sample size, but he, I didn't get that sense from him in Portland at hoop summit. Um, I've talked to a couple of people who have kind of echoed those same concerns, but then you also get the reports of him working out with Jermaine O'Neal and people praising his work ethic. So obviously mixed reports here, but personally I, I just have, I need him to start answering some of these these questions and haven't quite seen it yet. And despite that, he's still, you know, top five basically for me. Yeah, I think we've talked. I, I feel like that question always comes up and it just leads to just a hammer, like traveling down a rabbit hole when it comes to like, can you improve feel? Because I, I you could feel so strongly like each way. You know, I don't, I, I don't think someone's, you know, Tyrese Halliburton had unbelievable feel and vision mm -hmm. in college. I, it's not like a guy all of a sudden gets drafted and like develops having like that type of feel. You can right. improve it and, and read tape and watch tape and analyze like, hey, okay, you know, when I attack this place, I could do this. I think there's areas you can definitely improve on, but I don't think it's just naturally, you know, Jalen Brown's college film. We always like to bring it up like. <laughs> He's gotten much better, but yes. you still see some of the struggles that he's mm -hmm. had. So I think you could mask it, um, hide it a little bit, but I don't think guys are all of a sudden being like, I worked really hard in the gym. Now I'm an average tennis It's just sometimes it, it is an important area to, to consider. Like, hey, you could be this successful, but if you don't have great feel, 
might be a rude awakening. And it's such a vague term to throw out there too. And yeah, can be interpreted so, so many, many different things. ways. So. Yeah, it's it's a very deep conversation because you think it's like, oh, it's A B C. No, it gets right. down the alphabet it's in like, a hurry. Is he a good shooter? It's like, uh, let me look at the percentages. Yeah. Yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, does he have a good feel? It's like, okay, well, here's a whole fucking rabbit hole that we get to dive down <laughs> into. And everyone's definition is a little bit different. Yes. Um, all right, let's move on to Izan Almansa, uh, but let's take a quick ad break. All right, we're back. Izan Almansa, Ron Holland's G League Ignite teammate. Uh, came over from Spain, uh, had a dominant performance in the uh, FIBA World Cup for, I think it was the U18 um, over the summer. May have been U19. Um, but dominant performance there, kind of off to a slow start, struggling to kind of find his footing here with the Ignite. Um, Almansa entered the year, at, you know, top three, um, even atop some people's boards. I was not part of that train, but he had a lot of fans coming into the season. Uh, where are you at with Almanza? Um, I'm at a nine. So, yep, I just became Scrooge, folks. <laughs> I I just don't. I'm not. I'm not in. I I hope it's a complete shift and he surprises me, but I, I'm just not in. It's it's not the player that I was very intrigued by preseason because i thought there was just going to be a lot more of a killer mindset i don't know i thought there was gonna be a lot more aggressiveness versatility i don't know if it's fit i don't know if it's just you know it's just not there but um i got aggressive i i moved him down a lot on my board i think i've got him mid four yeah i got him at 44 if you want to come at me oh. come at me 46 yeah, there you go. So I, I just, I don't see a path in which all of a sudden a light switch flicks and it's just like, oh, it's 15 and 11 and a couple blocks. And I mean, he's averaging 7.4 points, 6.8 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 1.5 blocks. It's not terrible, but he's a big man shooting 47% from the field, 25% from three, 43% from the free throw line. That's not awesome. And that's in 26.9 minutes. So I, I just, the problem with Almanza is when I'm looking at him, this is a class that last year we were like, eh, the big class is kind of weak. This year there's kind of pick your flavor. Like, what do you, what do you want? And yeah, there's a lot of bigs that are upperclassmen that have been productive. And Kyle Filipowski, um, Oso Iguodaro, you want to go deeper. Deron Holmes is having another great year for Dayton. So it's like, well, what is Almansa bringing to the table that, you know, I could get a lower floor guy, right? Like those guys that could bring more punch. And I'm not saying like Filipowski doesn't have a high ceiling. I'm just saying you kind of know what you're getting with those guys. Almansa, I don't know what I'm getting. So I'm at a nine, DEFCON two, whatever you want to put it that way. What about you? I, I might just be at a flat out ten. Um, oh, great. So <laughs> are we being too harsh? Pro I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I probably, said, I'm and, wrong. I'm you know, I, wrong. obviously we always want these guys to succeed. Yes, yes, you know, we're not yes, rooting yes. against any of these guys, but what does he do at an NBA level right now? What is his okay. NBA skill? Offensive rebounding. I, I like him on the boards. I think he crashes the glass nicely. Um, 
but I mean, he's not finishing around the rim. He's not, he can't shoot. Um, he's not explosive. Almost everything looks below the rim on his finishes. Um, not a big time rim protector. Some of his block numbers have been solid recently, but that's more so him just kind of being big and in the way. Um, I, I don't know. I, cause I, I feel like a lot of what we saw him succeed at, um, in, in FIBA with Spain was his ability to kind of attack from the perimeter and drive and be kind of versatile out of the role and DHO keepers and all that stuff. And we're not seeing any of it. And yes. even when he tries to, I mean, as the pick and roll role, man, it's his most frequent possession. He's in the 18th percentile. He's not a vertical spacer. Um, the, the passing optimism that we were hoping to see with him kind of creating out of the short roll from the top of the key, all that kind of stuff. We haven't seen that. I just don't know what he offers, right? An NBA team right now. It's it's been tough. It's unfortunately he's unfortunately been one of my least favorite watches. Yeah, like I think you put it perfectly. I don't know if it's just the fit. Like if, if I ask around and someone's like, I'm still high on him, I'm gonna be like, Are you just buying it's a terrible fit? Because then I understand that and it's been past years where scouts were like, it's a terrible fit. I think he, I still love him. I know people still love him. I'm like, okay, fine. But he had all this versatility with Spain and, and, and had all this intriguing stuff where it was like, you put the ball in his hands, he could make some plays, he could do some stuff. And now you're just not seeing it as often. So it's almost like, well, what are you doing? Like, what are you bringing to the table? But all right, Metcalf, I'll play this or that with oh, you. You beat me to it. Okay. All right. Um, Oso or Omansa? Um, Sorry, pulling up my board. Oh, so Khalil Ware or Omansa. But come on, I'm I know you're lower on Ware, but like I have Omansa You've at least right now. seen something. Wow, not by much, but going um, off my board. I'll... I'm trying to get. I mean, I don't want to spoil who we're about to talk about. So, um, but like Missy from Baylor. If you were in the draft room right now and you had a pick in the middle of second round and they were both on the board, which way would you lean? Uh, I would go Missy. I would too because it's because I it's at least I think the high athlet- motor the athleticism power. is there. Yeah, it's athleticism. It's like, I know he's going to play hard. He's going to try, and there's stuff to work with. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Like what he, he, he's shown bringing. me way more as a rim protector, way more as a vertical spacer, way more as a role finisher, you know, I, I think in terms of just raw skill, Almanza probably hasn't beat, but it's like, am I really looking for that at that point in the draft from that position? It's like, no, it's tough because I think he's very skilled. I just don't think he needs to be like the, you're feeding me touches to make an impact. And I don't think the ignite are going to be a team. They're like, we're playing through Ethan. Like it's not going to happen. So he's got to figure out how to, how can I stand out? How can I make an impact? Like he's just got to figure some stuff out. So right now, yeah, I'm at a nine. Yeah, I I just, and when you look at this team with and without Eric Mika. Yeah. That's pretty damning. And Mika is, it's really showing how (laughs) important Mika was because that's the type of guy he, like Mika makes an impact. Without yeah. getting force fed, like he's always making, I mean, he's impact. That's making he's those so bounce pass. He's making those bounce passes to cutters. He's being an effective screener, and we're not seeing any of that from Almansa. I, you know, obviously, I think some of it is due to 
style and what they're allowing him to do. But that was one of the big selling points with him coming into the year. I was skeptical at the start of the year. It's just kind of reaffirmed my my doubts, which I hate. I wanted him to come out and kick ass and be like, look, Metcalf, you're a fucking idiot. And at least in this case, I haven't been, which is really rare. Really, really, rare. really, really rare. Really um, rare. Anything else? No, let's move okay. on to Carlton Carrington. Um, Lil Bub. Lil Bub Carrington from Pitt, point guard. One of the kind of darling breakouts of the year so far. Uh, had a scorching hot start um, to a season. Has cooled off a little bit now that uh, competition has rose. Um, where are you at with Lil Bub? Panic meter wise, I'm at a three. Um, because I, I understand that he's he, he was scorching hot to start the year. Then he gets all the attention and had a couple games where he struggled. Then he had a game where he looked pretty impressive, like some good flashes. He's averaging 14.9 points, 5.1 rebounds, 6.1 assists. That's pretty damn good. He's 6'4", 6'5", freshman, checks a box really quick. Splits are of 43, 34, 78. Like, if you told me a point guard, a freshman point guard that with that physical profile was going to put up those numbers, I'd be like, well, shit, is he in the top 10? Like, it's just, it's very, very intriguing. Like, that's a very fun upside. That's something that I think teams will, if he has great intel, which it sounds like there's some rumblings of good stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. I think teams will buy into like, Hey, unfinished product we can develop. He would a pre-draft guy where like you're drafting him now, because if he goes back another year, he might be this Jaden Ivy that just skyrockets up into the top seven ish. I don't know. I I'm just, I know I'm at a three, but like now I'm even talking to him. Maybe it's lower. I just am like, Hey, like this makes sense of a guy that like I have him at 22. Um, I still think he's a first round talent for sure. But having said all of that, he's got when conference plays kicking in and he's got a showcase that he can stay the course. Like if he's still putting up this type of production after lengthy conference play, mm-hmm. I'm going to be like, this is legit. But if he struggles in that, then I think we might be looking at like, okay, maybe he's another breakout year guy. But what about you? Yeah, I'm at like a two or three. And yeah. I still have him at, 14 on my board um the big gripe with him is that everything is a pull-up jumper um he never gets to the rim and i i get the concerns with that only 10.7 percent of his shots have come at the rim while 88.5 percent have been jump shots and that's concerning for a 6-5 guard you want them to pressure the rim um but then you look at the numbers and on jump shots, he's in the 72nd percentile in points per possession as the pick and roll ball handler for scoring. He's in the 94th percentile uh, pick and roll ball handler, including passes the 95th percentile. So it's not like he's settling for trash shots and making the wrong decision. He's just, I think physically a step behind in terms of being able to handle the size and speed and physicality of getting to the rim because his senior year, um, at rim numbers weren't bad by any means. I th- I think they were kind of similar breakdown. Uh, po- sorry, filibustering. I mean, EYBL, he didn't get there a ton. Only 15.6% of his shots came there. 
Um, but I think for St. Francis, he's up around 23% of his shots and was in the 74th percentile in points per possession. So it's never been a major part of his game, but it's not like he's never found success there. I think he has good touch. I really buy the jumper. I think it looks really good. Needs to speed up the release a little bit, but he's hitting stuff off the catch, off a of movement. Um, it's really tough shot making really you know professional level shot making and then his decision making coming out of screens and the pick and roll and all that kind of stuff is really sound like his assist to turnover he takes care of the ball he creates for others i know he's in a really good spot with the guys around him who are making shots but he's still got to set them up in the right places and he's doing that um just a really quick single this or that um bub or tyrese proctor up up okay i have proctor for now but i also think proctor's i need tyrese to start making some shots yeah i just um we should have had him on the panic meter but i'm very low on i i think people just thought tyrese was gonna be a top seven guy i thought he was gonna have a breakout too but now i'm like okay i know what tyrese is gonna be so all right i, I have nothing else i i'm i'm right there with you with with carrington i just low low meter for me like I, I really, I think it's a pleasant surprise, and I think yeah. if he stayed in the draft, some team would probably see him as like a, hey, this is a nice piece for us to develop for a year, and then good talent. He hits some tough shots that are you're like, man, that's an NBA move yeah. right there. Like he had like a drive, a step, like a pump, body fake, step back off one foot, and it, I was like, woof. So I, there's some really good flashes, but it's just now we need to see some more consistency. But it, if he gets heating up again, especially in conference play, like he's going to get rolling up boards. It's just right now I think people are almost waiting for him to kind of struggle so they could be like, eh, maybe next year. But I, I'm just, I'm waiting, patient. Yeah, and, you know, obviously so much of this panic meter is influenced by preseason expectations. And with Carrington, there weren't any. So it's like, He's putting up awesome numbers. He's playing really well. So it's like, all right, cool. If he stays in this draft, awesome, pleasant surprise. If he comes back, it's like, all right, well, he's never expected to be a one and done anyways, whereas guys like Holland and Almanza were like had top five expectations. So obviously all of this is skewed and influenced a little bit, but I, I, I would stress just with Carrington, I know he's not scoring a whole lot at the rim. I know he's not shooting a whole lot at the rim, but he does a lot of his rim pressure. He's looking to kick out and create for others out of that. So it's not like he's never driving, like he's never getting paint touches, but he's just rarely kind of looking for his own shot there. When he does drive though, he has really good vision on those kickoffs, those dump offs to cutters, that kind of stuff. So yes, it'd be nice to, for him to score more at the rim, but it's not like he's not generating anything in that area of the floor. Um, all right, let's move on to Justin Edwards. Oh boy. Here we go. My preseason number one. My preseason number one. Currently, Hi, my name's my... Tyler. I had him preseason number one. I'm going to make fun of myself so much this year. If he doesn't get cooking, I'm going to be like, yep, that was that. We that have was... to laugh at ourselves, folks. Like, that's that's what you have to do. It's the only way to keep from crying. Um, yeah. Where are you at with Mr. Edwards? I'm at a seven. Um, Because I still think he's a good talent, mm-hmm. but there's also the devil inside my head of being like, just, just rip the bandaid off. <laughs> it happened. You bought in. 
it, it's so annoying because it, I hate buying in on the idea. I always talk about this in pods. Like when I chase, when people chase the idea of a player, it drives me crazy. And I usually feel like I'm pretty good about when it comes to evaluating of pumping the brakes on the idea. Like I want you to show more than just yeah that. Um, but you t- you take in a situation like if it's a young 18 year old playing at Euro League, I take I buy in a little bit on the idea of something because it's limited sample. But then you put tape together, you put the puzzle or puzzle together. The the but the puzzle. The puzzle. That's a new term. <laughs> Um, but Edwards is, I'm chasing the idea right yeah. now. I'm still am because I see good flashes and I'm like, yeah. And, I, and then I catch myself being like, why am I getting so excited for just, you know, a nice backdoor cut? Yep. Because I'm trying to buy into what I saw earlier. And, you know, it's it's just going to be, int- I, I still think there is a world in which he starts to put up some good games. Maybe Aaron Bradshaw being back and Big Z, if he ever plays, will help. I don't know. It it just always seems like he's having a good game. And I'm like, okay, just go finish with 17 and 8. And like, then he's got, you know, 9 and 4 at halftime and he ends up with like 12 and 5. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> but then you, you look and you're like, oh, Rob Dillingham went off in the second half. Reed Shepard did. I don't know. I, I'm... He's averaging 9.8 points, 4.2 rebounds, almost one assist, one steal, splits of 46, 25, 68. If he was shooting like 50, 44, I think I'd feel better. But like I thought Edwards was going to be a tall lefty shooter, and he's not right now. So I, I just, every time I'm watching him, I'm like, stop thinking of what he could become. Like, watch what you're looking at right now and level it out more. I don't know. I'm at therapy now. <laughs> Where are you at? Uh, I still have him top 10, but he's just hanging on by a thread. Um, I have I'm him like at a, nine. I'm at like a seven or an eight panic meter. I have him at nine, and he's like two weeks in my book from just, it, I'm, it's... I'm, I'm all out. It's literally that I'm just going to be like enough's enough Rucker, like get your shit together. And sometimes these guys tell you who they are. And yeah, you know, when we, we saw them at hoop summit drink, um, we were like, God, you know, if the, the switch flips with this guy, he could be a stud. The shot looks smooth. Really like the team defense, the rebounding, some of the passing flashes, but he was super passive. He took the back seat a lot of the time. And, you know, we were always like, God, man, if he didn't have that number one recruit label next to his name, we'd be way more interested in him. And this would look so much more appealing. And we're it hurts so that. bad when we said that out loud, too, because we were like, oh, this is going to hurt us. That we like, just Wait, why aren't that. we taking our own advice here? Um it's literally just that meme of, you know, the guy poking something with a stick saying, do something. Um, he's just standing in the corner a lot. And the fact that he's shooting 26% from three is an absolute killer. He's in the 26th percentile in spot up scoring. That's awful, especially for who he's supposed to be or at minimum of what we thought he could be. That's it's rough. And, you know, 
people were dogging on Jacoby Walter for his assist rate, which is now up to six of uh, uh, lofty 6.8, you know, don't get too excited. Uh, but guess what? Justin Edwards is three, five. He just, he's not doing anything. He's not creating for others. He's not creating for himself. He's not knocking down shots. Um, may, maybe part of it is that Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham really came in and blew the doors off that program and, kind of cemented themselves as the guys and he's just letting them cook and he's trying to find his place in you know that kind of ever evolving team maybe but it's Kentucky if you want to be the guy you got to step up you got to do something you have to carry your weight and he's just not doing that and you know I had way way higher expectations with the defense it's been fine but not what I expected the seeing him in Portland drink the defense, I thought, like, oh my gosh, this could be. There was some weak side man. stuff where he was covering four guys at the same time. It was incredible. I saw on ball stuff that I was like, this could be a mad because it was just the footwork. I was like, oh gosh, and I just haven't seen that. I haven't seen a lot of stuff that I was like really, you know, excited about, and it's just tough. It it, it really is tough. I feel like um, Ryan Rosilla was buying into Jeff Green. I feel like that's me about Jeff <laughs> the prospect right no, now. No, but guys, so. you don't understand. Think of what... <laughs> but like it, It's also... It, it's setting up for two ways. He either does this all year, drives us yeah. crazy, and someone takes a flyer on him at the end of the first round of like a, hey, maybe we can unlock him. And he... And whatever. Or he goes... They go to the tournament and he has like an unreal stretch and then goes to workouts and everyone's buzzing about him and I'm going to be like son of a gun, but I don't know. I don't see that right now. If he was shooting 38% from three, how would you feel? Um, better. I, I'd feel better about having him where I have him right now. I would still have him right now in the same spot. Really crazy question for you i thought of this the other day i wasn't going to bring it up on the air because i don't think it's going to be received very well but (laughs) i'm going to say it anyways if you switch justin edwards and ron holland are any of them doing better no i wonder if edwards is doing better with the ignite i mean no ron holland would look better with kentucky does that make sense? And I, I think Holland's numbers would probably be about the same. Um, I think maybe, if not better, he might be even a little more physically imposing. Um, I think Edwards, I'm wondering if he I, has to be having the ball. Like He just has to have the ball. See, I, the I don't think he's that good of a non-ball creator. I don't either, but I think he's got to be like, a, oh, I have the ball. So then transition. why do you want him with the ball? I'm saying like in transition, like when we saw stuff for their global tour, he was grabbing go, making decisions, looking like he was feeling himself. Now I just feel like he just stands away and it's like, well, I'm supposed to just stand here. Yeah. Well, sometimes I mean, he's cutting and slamming and I, I love that. And he's on the glass and stuff, but I just need more. But I transition. I know how this movie ends. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> transition is his second most frequent possession type we're looking at synergy right now uh over a quarter of his possessions are in transition he ranks in the 11th percentile in scoring there's just no aggressiveness no 
he runs to the corner and constant passivity. He's always taking the back seat. If not, you know, telling everyone to go ahead and he'll hang behind and order his own Uber. It's, it's rough. I'll I'll tell you right now, my freak out mode is I think I'm going to end up liking Buzelis more than Edwards. I think they're going to switch spots in in that direction. And it, I, I, man, thought? look at who us. Who would have thought? <laughs> but hey, maybe that's a good life lesson, you know? Who knows? <sighs> All right. Let, let's move on to our last one. Um, not ending necessarily on a high note here. Uh, we're going to go with Adai Mara, center from UCLA. Uh, came over from Spain. Um, you th- <sighs> I'm, at, I'm at a 10. I don't think this one's tough. I initially, okay, so I'm at an eight. I initially wrote five because I was like, I I understand why he's not playing. Um, And I'm not surprised that he's not dominating. I didn't think he was going to come in and just dominate. Um, But I'm at an eight because one, he's not playing. Two, looks slow. Like, it's stuff we were very concerned about. And I think it's just next year, which is going to be interesting to see if he's going to be we, there for multiple years. But we sure it's next year. No, no, I'm not. Um, but I don't know. Like someone's going to say, oh, it's the fit. And I'm going to be like, he has cinder blocks for feet. You know, it's something I always got taught Um when I was starting out taking scouting seriously, I like picked the mind of some, some really good evaluators. And one of them has said, when he, when you're watching bigs, hands and feet, it's always the first two things you got to check. And he's like, if he doesn't have good feet, he will not last in the NBA. And I was like that. I got to remember that. So like when I watch a guy like Mara, who I understand how big he is, he's a gigantic mm-hmm. figure, but I mean, Imagine any point guard in the NBA being like, let's bring you out to the perimeter. Like he, he just cooked. Is cooked. So he's averaging 5.5 points, 3.4 rebounds, 0.9 assists, 1.0 blocks, shooting splits 55, 50% from the free throw line. He's played eight games. He's played 14.4 minutes. So yeah. UCLA, you know, it, they swung for the fences with this Euro class and everyone was going to excite yeah. it. And now you're quickly realizing like, yeah, college basketball is a different type of beast and they're struggling and Mara can't get on the court. So I, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. What, what about you, Metcalf? Did I miss something? No, I mean the him or, him or Amansa Amansa. right now. I think I would take Mara. Um, if I had to take a second round pick and you had to tell me one of them, I think I would swing on Mara figuring it out because of his playmaking. I, yeah, but I mean, I'm just telling you, like, I, I would swing on that. I, if it doesn't work, it doesn't if, work. If, if he can't survive pick. defensively, then his playmaking is completely irrelevant because I, he's not a good rebounder. He gets bullied. I, he's a ma- He is the biggest. I've never seen someone that big get moved that easily. His lower body strength is non-existent. His feet are incredibly heavy in space. He's not shooting it. I mean, I hope he it, stays multiple years because I, I could see a world in which he becomes a bully, but he needs to put on weight, muscle, a lot of stuff. 
And I also don't know if putting that on is going to help his it's not mobility. Speed him up. <laughs> no, so it's a tough one. I, it's and, and what, what's even more concerning, like defensively, like the fundamentals aren't there. Like you, you look at guys like Jonas Valanciunas, just obscenely massive human being but when he gets pulled out he at least moves his feet a little bit he knows how to kind of use his hands and his strength to knock guys off off their drives mara every single time narrow feet narrow base high in his hips there's no effort there there's no fundamental there's no understanding of what he needs to be doing out there and he's got an impressive block rate of 9.4 it's really good you can't tell me that that isn't solely because he's just massive and is completely hidden on defense and they just put him around the rim and ask him to just not get in the way. It's the, it's like buffering every time he needs to move directions and change directions quickly. I feel like it's buffering. It's like a loading process where like his body and mind are not at the same speed. He's like, I need to move there. And it's like his body's a step behind recognizing it. So it's just, you know, you, I hope he stays another year and I hope he just like figures it out and it clicks and it'll be great. Because all the questions we're having about this class, there's going to be a chance that there is a vicious amount of really exciting players going back for another year that we're going to be like, this class really is getting cooking now. Like, yes, we know how excited next year is going to be, but. Um, I think it's just going to be interesting with all these little wrinkles if some guys go back. Like, what if, you know, what if we get like Jared McCain and Elliot Cadeau and Bub Carrington going back for another year? Like, you never know. Yeah, well, just, and that, just you know, in words. <laughs> oh, God. Um, no, that's all I got. I, I mean, I, 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 I it's I, a I, tough crew. Yeah, yeah, and I want these guys to be good. I just. They're not showing me any of it, unfortunately. So my panic meter is high for how much I'm starting to get intrigued about Buzelis. <laughs> he looked good. He looked good the other night. He looked he good. He looked much better. I'm not saying I'm like, oh, he's back into my top ten. I'm just saying he looks like a maybe this is working out. Maybe this is trending in the right direction. I get it. All right. Um, that's all we got for panic meter. Let's take our last ad break and move on to our rookie of the week. All right, Rucker, last week we uh, started a new segment where, you know, we're just spinning uh, a wheel and having it land on a random rookie. Uh, We got to think of a name for that. I mean, come on. What is this? The wheel of rookie, the rookie wheel. The rookie wheel, sure. You guys can comment, whatever, the rookie wheel. Yeah, I mean, and if you're like, wow, this sounds a lot like what Andrew Schlecht and Alex Spears do on the Athletic NBA show, you're damn right it does because that's where i got it from um but instead of the wheel of fandom where they pick a team we're picking a rookie because we want to do more nba stuff and you know we watch these guys all the time and it's important to kind of track of where they were what they're doing now why what changed what didn't what's working what's not all that kind of stuff so this week um we have tumani kamara six seven forward for the Portland Trailblazers uh, in college. He spent two years at Georgia before transferring to Dayton for two years. Uh, he was number 51 on our final no ceilings big board. He went 52nd overall to the Phoenix Suns and was part of the trade package that sent DeAndre Ayton to Portland. 
initially thought of as just kind of a filler piece, uh, but now looking to be a lot more and really productive, uh, really impactful. Just going to kind of run through just a bevy of numbers here before we kind of get into his game, what we like, all that kind of stuff. So he's currently averaging 25.9 minutes a game, which is the ninth most among rookies, 6.7 points, 16th among rookies, shooting splits of 38, 25, 69. 4.7 rebounds, uh, which is six among rookies, and 1.2 assists. His block rate of 1.1 ranks in the 66th percentile. His steal rate of 1.5 ranks in the 66th percentile. His offensive rebounding rate of 7.3 ranks in the 89th percentile. His on-off net rating differential of plus 6.1 is in the 76th percentile. So the Trailblazers' net rating is 6.1 points per possession higher or points per 100 possession higher when he's on the court than when he's off his on off offensive rating differential is plus four which is in the 72nd percentile his on off defensive rating differential uh is minus 2.1 which is in the 63rd percentile sorry a lot of numbers but just kind of trying to add some context into what kamara's succeeded at so what what have been your early season thoughts on kamara uh surprises all that kind of stuff I got one more number and it's going to shock the crap out of everyone. I got to give a shout out to my, my buddy Nima. I, he's one of our, one of my best friends and one of his best friends works in the front office with Portland. So we were just joking today and I was like, Hey, I'm talking about Tumani later. What have you thought this year? Cause he's just been watching closely and we were BSing before and he sent me something from the World Wide web. Ricky, there's a lot of stuff out there. Yes. Here you go. This might shock some people. Despite those in crazy um, shooting splits, this numbers will shock you. Rookies with 125 points, 100 rebounds, 20 steals, and 15 three-pointers. Victor Wembanyama, Chet Holmgren, and Tumani Kamara. That's the list. I'm also very proud that you put 51st on No Silix Big Board because I wrote that too, and I was <laughs> like, yes, Metcalf, we're cooking. But here's my thing with Tumani. Um, I know this, you see... The shooting splits, you're probably like, eh. But I think this is a guy that's really trending up towards being a serious piece for Portland. And I'm not saying like, oh, he's going to be the third player on the team. I'm just saying this is a piece where you, every team that the rebuild starts really cooking has a piece like this that you're just like, yep. we're keeping Tumani around all the time. I think I thought Chris Murray was going to have this type of impact early on compared to Tumani. I still think Chris Murray could be a guy next year that all of a sudden really starts to take his stride and find his groove. But now that you have Tumani doing this type of stuff, making an impact all over the place, um, and you're finding that value from 50th pick, 52nd pick, you said? And a filler Steel, in a trade. And a filler in a trade. And, and and I know, you know, he looked very good at Summer League for the Suns. Mm -hmm. He was very impressive. This is a guy at college that almost averaged 14 and 9 his last year with 1.7 assists, 1.2 steals, almost a block a game. He he shot 54, 36, 66 at college. He's just one of those versatile guys that's it, you could kind of throw out there. He's had some games where you know, he's had 14 rebounds or 13 rebounds. Like he just kind of an impactful player that you really like to, to have in your rotation. And I think it's been really cool. It's another guy that's an upperclassman that's having success at the NBA level because teams know what they're going to get out of him. So 
Um, I'm excited for him. I think that's another great find for Portland, and it's going to be hilarious looking back and being like, oh, yeah, Tumani was a filler. Turns out to be a, a great piece for Portland moving forward. What about you, Mecca? Yeah, I know he's just been really impressive. And, you know, runner dude in the comments is asking about his defense. And I, I think this is something we probably should have been a little more expected from him because I, when we just look at his kind of defensive numbers from last year, 2.6 steal rate, 3.1 block rate, 23.3 defensive rebounding rate. All of those are really good numbers, uh, especially for a forward. And those are numbers that tend to translate pretty well. Steal rate currently 66 percentile block rate currently 66 percentile. It's translating. And he, so all of the stuff that he's kind of doing right now is what he was doing at Dayton. Um, obviously he had a little bit more of a more prominent offensive role, but he was never a big time shooter. He shot 36.3% uh, last year at Dayton, but career 30.7%. So the shooting struggles should be expected, especially from a rookie. But I think there's optimism that it can at least get to a point where, you know, if he's left completely wide open, he can knock down one or two a game. The, the big thing with him is, he's doing all the shit that no one else on a bad team wants to do. Um, he's boxing out, he's crashing the boards, his off ball movement. And um, what's so impressive with him is how he just cuts in from the wing. Anytime someone drives or puts a shot up because he catches his defender sleeping on him all the time because he knows he's not a shooting threat. His defender knows he's not a shooting threat. So whenever Shaden Sharp or Scoot Henderson or Anthony Simons or Jeremy Grant put up a shot, he's sneaking in behind him and crashing the offensive glass. And that's why he's been so effective. The reason his offensive rating um, differential is so impressive isn't because he's a big time scorer or playmaker. It's because he's constantly generating extra possessions for that offense. And he's that kind of thorn in the side of opposing defenses because he's not supposed to be making an impact. So he's not at, you know, one of the top names of the scouting report, but yet he keeps doing all these little things. So we see from role players on really good teams who are typically like the seventh or eighth man in the rotation. Uh, and on bad teams, they're a little higher. And, you know, we saw guys like Kendrick Williams do this um, on a whole bunch of bad teams. We Jay Sean Tate do this. Uh, Herb Jones earlier, I, I think Herb is a little more offensively skilled, but that same kind of premise of the guy who's willing to do the dirty work isn't scared of taking on the most difficult defensive assignment. And they just played the Clippers and he's eagerly switching and picking up James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George without hesitating for a minute. Anytime he gets ran through a pick and roll, he's taking whoever has the ball uh, in transition. He's picking them up full court. He's crashing the glass. It's doing all the dirty work that no one else wants to do. And on a bad team, stuff like that really shines through, gets you a lot of minutes and really take improves the overall performance of that, the team because no one else is doing that kind of stuff. Dirty work guys will always find a way to stick around and they will always find a way to be um, desired in the NBA. And I'm not saying dirty is like, Oh, you, you play dirty. It's just right. you're doing the shit. No one wants to do every single night. Like you're willing to set screen. Love those dudes. and coaches love those. And you guess what? GMs love those guys because <laughs> yeah. they're like, those, those guys are consistent and not, we know what we're going to get from them. But like, and superstars love those dudes because superstars love they don't have to go do that. Shit. <laughs> yes. Because they don't have to do it. Somebody else is doing it. And it's like, Oh, he got the offensive rebound and kicked it out. And I got it at three. Like, but like this, this could be a, a new generation of PJ Tucker. 
is that's how what I feel yeah. about like Tumani. Like people don't remember PJ was drafted 35th overall in 2006. He played 17 games for Toronto, then went overseas for five years, came back his first year with the Phoenix Suns. He averaged six points and four rebounds on 47, 31, you know, 74. So PJ found a way to be like, I can make a living for my career doing the dirty work, space in the floor, doing what my team needs to be playing tough all the time. You will always find scouts, GMs, executives, front office guys will love those guys. They will always hunt to find them. And how many times do we always hear fan bases where like, I wish we could get PJ Tucker, you know, like years ago, it was always like, how do you get PJ Tucker on your team? Or how do you get those guys that, that really kind of perfectly fit with your superstars where it's just like Metcalf just said, you know, I don't have to do it. They do it. This yeah. is great. You know? So I, I think Tumani's on the right path. He's figuring out how to stay on the court, how to get more minutes. And you know, and that next part of his process is going to be like, okay, get that three point percentage a little bit more respectable because he, he has a solid looking shot. He's just got to get the numbers up. And um, it's looks like a potential gold mine find for, for Portland to build with. All right. Before we wrap this up, let's, circle it back to the 2024 draft and what do guys like Kamara, you know, him shining immediately, him making an impact immediately. What does that mean for some of the guys in this class? And who are some of the names that kind of come to mind when you think of guys who do the little things, do the dirty work or play with that physicality, that versatility and find a way to impact a game and impact winning without scoring, without that shot. Um, and hell of a transition by you. Good Lord. Oh man. Congrats on the (laughs) masters. That was fantastic. It's all paying off immediately. Look at that. (laughs) Um, so who, who, who who are some of the names that kind of pop out? Um, and how much higher do you think that they could go in this draft based on what Kamara has been doing? I would say Ryan Dunn immediately jumps at me, but if I want to, I, I want to go deeper. I want to find yeah, yeah I'm thinking players. like not first round guys. Okay, uh, um, or like fringe guys who could maybe. Sneak I think Keisha Johnson would be my number one. Like, good name. This is a really. That's why I'm saying I, I think this draft is going to scare the shit out of some people, and they're going to look at guys like that in the second round and be like. He will work his ass off and will find a way to just be a, a grinder and not the highest ceiling, but we might get a, a glue dirty work guy in the second round. Let's grab him. Um I'm trying to think of some other I feel like uh, Tristan De Silva cheating, probably. What do you think, Metcalf? Who am I missing? Um, I mean, I, I have early second grade on him, but like Matthew Cleveland, his shot has come yep. around a little more. Um, but a guy like KJ Adams. KJ uh, Adams, a deuce the arrow, maybe. A, um, Dylan Jones, maybe. I. It's tough because I'm trying to just find guys that are just like, okay, th- these guys are going to be just grinders. Maybe Dylan Mitchell starting to get yeah. a little bit more buzz. I think that's a that's a really really good name because his 
he's been really good with cutting. The defense is really impressive, has been since Montford um, in high school. Starting to show a little bit of a... Uh, I'm starting to get intrigued again. Shooting, same. I'm um, starting to get intrigued again because it's just what we just said. It, like, this is the perfect that, reason why. That's a really, really good name. Because maybe it's not the shooting. Maybe we were always obsessed with the shooting and maybe we're like, hey, Dylan Mitchell's figuring out how to be an impactful player without the shooting. Yeah. Um, we, when you wa- we know how athletic he is. Sorry, go ahead. No, just when you watch Mitchell, he does a lot of those kind of same offensive rebound cut in stuff that Kamara does where he follows the guy on the drive and gets the easy tip in. Um, you know, he crashes from the opposite corner when his teammate takes a three from the opposite wing. He's always really active and really athletic and really physical um, on the boards and defensively. So I, I really, really like that shout, but Dylan Mitchell, keep an eye on him. Uh, he's playing pretty pretty good basketball this year. I, I have one more, not to ruin our um, good vibes, but I have one more and you can tell me I'm crazy and I'll actually Ooh, appreciate it. That. It's Terrence Shannon Jr. getting back in that conversation. Um, or do I, we think, I think it's going to be too I think just alpha very, headed? I think very different type of player. And my big concern with Shannon um, is I don't know what he does without the ball. I, I love his rim pressure. Um, some of his passing I think stuff, that's where Mil- Mitchell, Mitchell's that's, figuring out how to make an impact correct. without the ball. So correct. I know what you're saying. Okay. All right. Um, all right. So that was Tumani Kamaro. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Uh, let's spin the wheel real quick. So spin for, it, baby. For next week, uh, let me pull it up here. Here we go. Big money, right. big money, no whammy. This thing's electric. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> let's go. That's going right. to be a That'll good be one. That'll be fun. So next week, uh, we'll be breaking down Bilal Koulibaly. Um, polarizing guy from last draft. That's going to be fun. <laughs> wow. Okay. Now I'm really excited. That's going to be a all lot right. of fun. Um, all right, Rucker. What's the best thing in the basketball world that you've seen recently? We'll, <laughs> we'll wrap this up. Quickly. What a, yeah, we'll, we'll do green room <laughs> next time. Um, what a week to die. I don't even know where to start. Um, do you want mine? Uh, are you, are you good? I'm not, I'm trying not to talk about Draymond. Oh. <laughs> God. <laughs> um, just using the Woj tweet of just indefinite was just like a, a, a like I got like five buddies texting me, like, <laughs> what? And, I was like, yeah, that's crazy. And I, it'll be like, I hope games. he gets better. You know, I hope Draymond I, gets better. Why it's are just, we acting like I, maybe there is, maybe there isn't something going on in his personal life, but why, why are we acting like this is some new phenomenon with him in the last month? He has always been this guy. Go back to Michigan state. He has always been this guy, not necessarily just flat out punching dudes in the face, but you know, that's no, always how he's played. There's not, I don't mean to be like, Hey, if he has a problem, yeah, let's course. just not take of this course. the wrong way. Like, uh, if he has a problem, we get help. I hope he gets better. But Draymond, you know, like, fool me once, shame on, <laughs> shame on. Me. Um, I, I, when I work for Warriors, like, I met Draymond, and when he's off the court, he's hilarious. He's awesome. Like, he's really nice. But yeah, that's what I all the me- he, everyone in the media says. So and, super and res- talkative. 
Rosillo had a good story of like on his pod where he was talking to him and he's like, he talked, he's like, do you yeah. think you could kind of change Rosillo? And he kind of looked like, no, like I can't <laughs> like that. He didn't say that, but that's just like the look he gave. And I, I, got I get that with I, guys like that. You have to find a level to get to be like, I have to have that edge. Yeah. But I also think age father time catches up and that edge kind of loses its. So yeah, I, I hope that that and um, Giannis <laughs> Dropping 64 with 32 free throw attempts. And then the Oscar Shibway thing where like it, it was his first bucket and Giannis was like, I don't care. I want the ball. And it's like, here's a free throw. I'm sorry, but if someone dro- drops 67 or and 64. 64 and such a franchise record for points in the game and his name is Giannis Antetokounmpo, your your free throw takes a back seat. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was just funny. It was Oscar. And it was just also like, the, he gets the, the every pay- rebound in the world, so it's of course he's like, I, I want the ball. But it, are, it was. Are just, you buying the Pacers' excuse that uh, that's why they took the ball? Because I'm not. No, no, no. <laughs> I think they were being. No, hey, no, no. I think it was been. It was funny. It's probably like, hey, you're not getting the ball. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably laughed their ass off later. Um, sorry, go ahead. What what, what was yours? Um, Manus Buzelis loved. I <laughs> loved how he looked the other day. It's it's a it's a tough. I I rarely send Metcalf like screen records at 6 a.m. of like what I'm watching. And I just like was like, he looks better to me. I'm starting yeah, to wonder. You, 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 and didn't, I was like, the, you didn't even have the courtesy of like screen recording and sending it on the computer. No, you I, just, had, I was just, just like phone. Took a raw video off your phone of your computer screen. It was he looked gross. better. He did. He looked better. He did. Now it's the challenge is do this for a couple of games. If he comes back and has a 10 point, you know game and i start seeing the old stuff i'm gonna be like eh. but <laughs> i know scouts are still excited about him and i was like whoa okay and starting to get it game's looking yep. like it's slowing down getting a little more confident so you love to see it um screw it we, we went long but let, let, let's go green room okay um, let's let's do it why not fine um fine. so um for I'm new listener, brands <laughs> for new listeners the uh, no ceilings green room is only up to 14 players get in. It is not our based on our big board. Um, it is not our one through 14 rankings. It is based on vibes, potential, prestige, uh, current style of play, a lot of vibes, very heavy vibes based. Um, currently, we are not full yet, um, but we currently have Jacoby Walter, Alexander Saar, Ron Holland, Justin Edwards, Stefan Castle, Donovan Klingon, Adam Bona, and Zachary Reese Rucker, I think we gotta pull the plug. He's been uh flirting with danger and uh flirting with the exit um for a couple weeks now. We've given him the benefit of the doubt. I think that time has run out. I'm proposing that uh Justin Edwards unfortunately has to go for now. Yeah, I'm in. Yeah. Okay. So That's we'll fun. we'll we'll make the switch. We'll make the switch. Justin, so he is he just back in line? Yeah. He's at the back of the line. Yeah. Okay. He's at the back of the line for now, but can we remove people from line? We can. Okay. Yeah. I n- think n- that would be a fun n- wrinkle. No, no one is safe here. Yeah. I think a fun wrinkle is if you, if we you have get demoted to in line, now you're really in the, the hot zone because now you can get removed from line. And, I, I really, really hate to do this, but I think we gotta we, we gotta bump my boy Garway out of the line. Yeah. I 
Is Edwards still worthy of being in line, or do we need to move Gartway and Edwards? Um, I'm willing to give one at a time. I'm willing to give Edwards one more week in line. Um, okay, we'll we'll remove. Yeah, I think Garway's got to go, but he's not safe by any means. I agree. Okay. I agree. All right, okay. so in line, we currently have Bronny James, Nikola Topic, Trey Alexander, Bob Carrington, Kevin McCullough, Cody Williams, Reed Shepard, and Justin Edwards. Are there any names that you want to nominate to get in line for consideration? Oh, man. Um, Doing this right after a panic meter episode? Is, <laughs> it was pre-questionable it's strategy. It's tough. <laughs> Uh, I got, I got to pull up the graphic again for everybody. Okay. Um, Dalton connect. Okay. Is my nominee. I, I, I will. I'm fine with putting Dalton in, uh, in line. Where do you have Dalton right now? Um, I have 21 and, um, probably, you know what was funny today? I I was driving around and I literally was like, "Why don't I have Connect higher?" It just was like in my head. I was like, "Why why don't I move him back up?" Or why don't I keep moving him up? I I mean, I already see names that I want to move him ahead of, so I think he's gonna be in my top twenty for sure. Um, why isn't he going Lotto? I have him at thirteen. I love that out of you. There's just names that I have in that range right now that I'm clearly like, okay, I'm going to probably move you down. But I think Dalton, McCuller, Buzelis are three names I'm eyeing right now that I might be starting to move up. And Justin, Trey are both looking like names I might be moving down. (laughs) Um, So Dalton's my nominee this week. Um, I think just we, you know, it's from the South. Well, I'm saying he's playing at Tennessee, so he's from the South. I, I calm down, guys. We 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 need some some swagger in there. We need we need some Southern swagger. We got a lot of guys from Europe. Dalton probably connect with them. Um, it's also a big body, so you know it's, it never hurts. We we just get a good mix in there. What do you think? I a lot of versatility with the shots. Um, I I think it'd be a really good vibe. So I I'm good with him in line right now. Um. Do you have a nominee for line? Yeah. Fun one. Um, one of the best quote machines in college basketball. No right way. That's I'm going, this is better. Okay. I'm going Tyler Kolek. Uh, I'll approve of the line. Okay. So Dalton and Kolek. Yeah. Cause Kolek, you need a, a little scrappy guy yeah. in every crew. Um, everybody knows that you, you always need a scrappy guy. We had Garway, but Garway hasn't really, produced and he's become more of a little bit of a head case when it comes to having fear of him being in the club um we can't have people starting all fights all the time but you know colic would be one, one of those time. well yeah you know what i'm saying <laughs> but still like he's gotta you know we gotta wait and see with him with if we had colic he's at least you know he's never gonna look for a fight but he's never gonna run away from one too and plus, he's probably it, just he's gonna make hilarious. everyone laugh too. Yeah, yeah he's going to make everyone laugh. So I like it. All him. right. Um, do you want to nominate someone to get in or you want me to? I want you to. I think there's a, a clear name, someone who's just keeps producing, uh, putting up bonkers numbers. 
by the game, rising to the top of some people's draft boards. Uh, the Serbian himself, Nikola Topic. I, when you started that out, I was like, are we going Cody Williams? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Topic should be in. Okay. Okay. So that's a pretty good list. Is there anyone on the guest list that you're eyeing? I still feel fine about Bona in there. I think everyone cooling on Bona is like, hey, what were we expecting he's, of him? He's in probationary status for me right now. Oh, no. We hate to hear that. Okay. Well, yeah, I think Topic goes, and then we add Dalton and um, Tyler Kolick to line. To line. Also, side topic, Tyler Kolick... Dalton and Reed Shepard in line is just hilarious. <laughs> so we have three white guys in the line. Um, so yeah, that'll be fun. But um, good list. It, the it. green room's looking good. I, I, I'm I'm glad that we're doing this week by week, taking it slow. Got to let it naturally kind of fill out. Um, so this was a really rough one, but had a blast. Uh, Rucker, thank you. He is Tyler Rucker. You can find him on Twitter at Tyler underscore Rucker. I am Tyler Metcalf. You can follow me at T Metcalf one, one. Um, you can find all of our writing over at no ceilings, NBA.com daily stuff is hundred percent free. No ceilings plus gets you bonus content as well. Follow us across all socials. No ceilings NBA. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review and five-star rating until next time. See ya.